0: You're listening to the Daily Missioner Podcast with Benedict. Okay, let's get going. Yesterday afternoon, we finished off Chapter 7, which began with questions about um, eating tremor on purpose but not adding a fifth, but then finished with what I would call ex- existential uncertainty. We had two baskets. We weren't sure which basket held the real tremor. And these examples reminded me of you know the case of Schrodinger's cats, the cats inside a metal box, we don't know whether the cat is alive or dead. And we're just about to enter chapter eight, which has a whole bunch more brain teasers. But these begin actually with a continu- with with a continuation of this question of uncertainty: what was happening when, and when is it halachically valid? Um, maybe we could again talk about the connection between halakhic reality and physical reality. You know, is the co- slave still a slave? Is the the wife of the Kohen still married to the Kohen? Is the Kohen still eligible? And then later in the Pereg, you know, is the wine tainted? So we're gonna look at all these questions and we're gonna look at these questions through the framework of a series of disputes between Rabbi Eliezer and young Rabbi Hoshua, and we've seen this dispute earlier earlier on in the track date. The, Voices of these two tana'im are very, very strong in this particular tractate. Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Hoshua. By the way, the, the halacha normally goes according to Rabbi Hoshua and is going to go according to him again in these mishnayot. So we'll see the same kind of patterns playing out. Let's just jump into the text. Um, the first mishnah of, uh, of chapter of chapter eight, and let let's just take a moment to absorb the scenario. So, a woman was sitting there eating truma. And they came and said to her, mate by life, your husband is dead. Or, he's divorced you. And, this, I mean, I, I, we struggle, of course, with this sometimes. How is it possible that she didn't know that he had divorced her. And one expla- a technical ex- explanation might be that maybe she'd accepted the divorce by way of a, of a shaliach, by the way of a messenger. And you could certainly read it that way, but I would prefer to say another ex- explanation is that the Mishnah is bringing a, a boundary case. It's uh, that the Mishnah is bringing an example which tests the boundary of the halacha, whether physically it's important that she should not know whether she was divorced or not. It, it's just not, not relevant in this, in this Mishnah. And similarly, a, a slave is sitting there eating truma, and they came and they say to him, "Look, your master is dead, or he sold you to an Israelite, so you're no longer a slave of the Kohen, or he gave you away as a gift. If your master is dead, for example, someone who's not a Kohen might have inherited you. Or maybe Asach ben Chorin, maybe he freed you. So, maybe you're not only a slave anymore. If you're not a slave, you can't eat truma. If you're not a slave belonging to a, a priest, you can't eat truma. And along the same lines, a priest. So, a priest is eating trumma, and while he's eating, this is all happening while he's eating, it becomes known that he's the son of a divorced man of a in which case he's a. He's a halal. He's a Kohen who can't serve. And now we have the dispute between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Hoshua. Rabbi Eliezer says they must repay both the principal and the fifth. In other words, this is just as if they had eaten Shumma um, unwittingly, just as if they were strangers, a czar, a, a non-priest, who's eaten Truma unwittingly. They have to repay the principal and the fifth. Rabbi, Hoshia puter, Rabbi 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 Hoshia Potter Rabbi Joshua Rabbi Hoshua says no that when they started to eat the Truma they were in a halachic status allowed them to carry on eating it and that remains. And the Halacha follows Rabbi Hoshua. The Halachic reality seems to be trumping the physical reality, as we saw yesterday. And the dispute plays out in a parallel case. This is nothing to do with Truma, by the way, but it is to do with the status of Kohen. This is he was standing and he was sacrificing on the altar. This is a Kohen again. And the language is actually, the language is absolutely parallel. It's the same language in, in the, the, the these are par- these are parallel halves of the Mishnah. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Rabbi Eliezer says, all the sacrifices that he'd offered on Altar disqualified, and Rabbi Yoshua pronounces in invalid. And then the Mishnah closes: Now we're in the past here. If it had already but known, if it was already known that he's a baal Mum, that he's he's blemished, his service is disqualified, and Rabbi Yoshua and Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer would agree on. So if this thing is already known by the time he starts his service, everyone agrees that the service is invalid. But in terms of the knowledge that comes to us in the middle of the service or in the middle of the eating of the trimmer, we have this dispute between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Hushchev. And the Mishnah will then bring a similar type of dispute, but perhaps with a different theoretical basis. Vechulam. In all of these cases, the, 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 the truth is actually still in their mouth. Rabbi Eliezer, Omer Yivlu, Rabbi Omer Rabbi Eliezer says they may swallow it. It's very interesting. Rabbi Eliezer, we think, is Mahme. He seems to be stricter in the first Mishnah because he says they have to pay the fine. And yet, he also has a view, he seems to have a view that chewing is equivalent to swallowing, i.e. once you've got it in your mouth and you're chewing it, you have effectively eaten it. So you may as well swallow it. Whereas Rabbi Hoshua takes the view that you haven't really eaten the Truma until you've actually swallowed it. So for Rabbi Hoshua, even though they are, um, even though Rabbi Yoshua makes them exempt of the fine in the first mission if they've already swallowed it, Rabbi yoshua holds that if they learn about this fact before they've swallowed, they need to spit out. And again, just like the first missioner brings a settler, the, the dispute of the first missioner is followed by a whole set of parallel disputes, so in the second missioner. Amrul need need metah, they need truma. Maybe you've become unclean, or maybe the truma has become unclean. Maybe a creepy crawly, for example, jumped on him, or jumped on the truma, while he was sitting there eating it, Rabbi Eliezer says, You can swallow it, and Rabbi Yehoshua says, Spit it out. If, If however, they said to him, If, however, they said to him, Tame haita, ha haita truma, and now we're moving into the, the past tense. If they said to him, You were uncle, or the truma was uncle, or it became known that it was untithed. Just as in parallel to the first Mishnah that we learned, if it became known that he possessed a blemish, this is a a, a reference to a pre-existing fact. If they said to me you were unclean, or the truma was unclean, or it became known that it was untithed, or it was um uh, it was um Marcel Rishon that hadn't, t- hadn't had trauma taken from it, or Marcel Sheni or Hektesh that hadn't been redeemed, or he tasted the taste of a bug in his mouth, then he must spit it out. And they both agree, both Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi yoshua would agree, that if there's a pre-existing fact, the halachic reality and the physical reality come into line. He has to spit it out. Now, that these this this um, dialectic between Rabbi Hoshua and Rabbi Eliezer continues with another parallel example, and this is to do with this is to do with eating grapes, eating food, which is chayav, which is obligated in um, which is obligated in tithes when it comes in the house. And that, the backstory here is that the halacha is that you can eat, so to speak, casually out in the fields without taking Maser. But if it gets into your house, or if Shabbat comes in, you have to take Maser. One of the que- we've mentioned before, one of the questions that a man has to ask his house before Shabbat is, Isartem? did you take Maser? You have to take Maser before Shabbat begins, and food becomes liable to Maser when Shabbat, be- begin- when Shabbat comes in. So Picture the situation. You're casually eating out out in, in, in the vineyard. You're chewing a bunch of grapes out in the vineyard. And you're walking in from the garden into the courtyard. Once you're in the courtyard, remember, you're effectively in the house. The house was a, houses was, were set around courtyards in the thai of Robbie Rabbi Eliezer is going to say, eat more. You've started eating, you can finish eating. Rabbi Hoshua is going to say, more, you can't finish your meal. And similarly, if you have this food, just as dusk is setting on Erev Shabbat, Rabbi Eliezer is going to say, you can finish eating. And Rabbi Yoshua is going to say, more, you may not finish. Those are the first three of chapter of chapter 8. Next week, we'll pick up and finish the rest of Chapter 8, which deals with a whole set of brain teasers, but in slightly different contexts. These are the brain teasers that really engage with the distinction between halakhic reality and physical reality and between what we know and what we don't know. And with that, I'll close, and we'll pick up again next week. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.